Anne Kelly is a serious student of Theosophy, has her own YouTube channel dedicated to spreading the Theosophical message. She has built up a subscription of almost 4,000, I think it's a little more than 4,000 followers now on your YouTube channel, uh, which is entitled Living Theosophy. She has a background in public speaking and has been on air, radio and television uh, television presenter for 30 years, as well as a lecturer and motivational speaker on confidence building and communication and overcoming addiction. As a labor of love and to be of service to humanity, she recently began voicing theosophical texts anonymously. And I know this, if you go on her channel and if you go through the video, she's like, my name is not important. <laughs> and that's, yeah, and that's, that's very endearing. And sharing her own experience from the study, digestion, practice, and application of these sacred ancient teachings across global social media platforms. Theosophy is humanity's textbook and belongs to all and solely to none. It cannot be bought or taught. It can be earned and learned. Nature is the true church. You are the temple. It is all about you. Beautiful. It Welcome. It's lovely to be here. It is an absolute honor to be here. Hello, everyone. Hello. Brilliant. So let me start by asking you this question, which I think you probably are tired of now. What is theosophy? <laughs> well, I'm sure that you all, if you're even here, get that question too. And you kind of go, oh, all right. Well, let me explain. Because they'll say the osophy. Is it the osophy? And I'm like, no, it's theosophy. Theos meaning gods, Sophia meaning wisdom. This is the wisdom, the ancient knowledge of the gods. This is what goes back as far as time and immemorial. This is beyond Egypt. Well, you'll see it coming through Egypt. You'll see it coming through Greece. You'll see it coming through India. You'll see it coming all through humanities, through this recent wave and race of mankind. And again, race, when talked about in the theosophical teachings, does not mean ethnicity. It means a wave of existence on our planet. So it is the timeless ancient wisdom, the truth that underlies all of the world's religions, sciences, and philosophies. So when we look for the commonalities uh, in, in all of our religions, we will see this truth shining through. So theosophy is the ancient sacred knowledge that belongs to all. Brilliant. And tell us about your journey into theosophy. Like how or how did you find your way into theosophy? I hope I brought it in here. I think I did. This, okay. This is a really good story because all of my life I was I was raised um, Catholic and I thought this so I what I don't understand. There's so many laws, so many rules, so many uh things you had to do in different certain ways. And I thought, I don't understand. There's really no nothing here. It seemed kind of hollow and seemed uh, but there seemed to be a big fanfare about it. So I went outside of that and I started looking into the New Age movement. I thought that seems, loved Wayne Dyer's stuff, loved his stuff, uh, went into the Hay House authors, thought, hmm, it all seems to be like juicy gurus. I don't understand. I don't, I'm not looking for a juicy guru. I'm looking for what they're talking about. So I went on my my own little quest to find what I could find. And one day, in 2000, I think it was 2004, could have been 2003, um, I was in a new age bookshop in Los Angeles and it was called The Bodhi Tree. Mm -hmm. And I went in for some sandalwood incense and I was just cruising the shelves and I found uh, an old book. And um, this is the, there it is, the 14 lessons. This is the 14 lessons in yogi philosophy and oriental occultism. Now this was written down by William Walker Atkinson. Um, who went wrote it down by the pen name Yogi Ramasharaka. He's also written as the Three Initiates, uh, the Kabbalion, and you'll, I'll talk about him more in a minute. But anyway, this little book was along with the advanced course, and it looked kind of, I was like, what is that? So I popped it out of the shelf, and I put it in my bag with the sandalwood incense, and then forgot about it for about 10, no, not 10 years, probably 2011. Um, in 2011, I was going through a very um, difficult time, um, a very uh, deep time of psychological pain, um, moving to the United Kingdom, marrying my husband. And my son was eight or nine at the time. Uh, we were going through a bloody custody battle, which is um, there's no winners in a custody battle. The, the triumph is when parents learn to co-parent and peaceful parents is truly what 
is the winner in any battle. It's compassion. So I realized one of us was going to have to let go. So my son had to return to the States. And it's how, how could I teach him about compassion unless I could become compassion, which was the biggest thing I would never, ever be able to do. I could never live without him. He is and was the love of my life. But letting him go literally sent me into a, such a sadness. I, um, I didn't know how to live without him. So I was walking by the bookcase one day. And I looked at that book. I go, there's that book. There's that book in yogi philosophy. What's yogi philosophy? So I opened it up. And every page seemed to have something. I go, that really makes sense. What is this? Who is William Walker Atkinson? What is the Yogi Publication Society? There it is. Look, the Bodhi Tree Bookstore. That's cool. Oh. Um, that's really a big thing. And there's, oh my God, the receipt. That's a really big deal. So I ended up taking this book with me. And every day I thought, there's something in here. Something's about this book. So I started to research William Walker Atkinson, who was a, a lawyer, an author in the New Thought Movement. And this, the teachings in here resonated so strongly. And they were pointing towards a text called, where is it? Here it is, Light on the Path. They were pointing towards this book, which is written down by Mabel Collins, also a theosophist. Uh, she was an anti-vivisectionist. But they said towards this theosophical classic. And as I was reading that, I go, what is that? What is theosophical? What is classic? What do you mean? So they said it's a little text and it's tiny. It's little. Mm -hmm. And I was like, okay, so both of these huge books were pointing towards this theosophical classic. So I Googled theosophy and I was like, what is this? And then I, I went to light on the path and I went, oh my God, this is brilliant. So I read them. And the more I read them, the more I felt, um, I don't know, I just felt a strong connection. I say resonance. And then I started to apply them. I started to apply them in my life and I began to feel better. Even though my heart was shattered, I began to feel um, and understand a little bit more of the bigger picture. And as they started talking about the the undiscovered powers or laws of nature, the powers latent in the human being, our own abilities, who are we, where are we, what are we, these philosophical questions, what are the cosmos, what is earth, uh, reincarnation, rebirth, ghosts, the astral world, all this stuff, um, I just became an, an insatiable student. And so I found a Theosophical Society headquarters out of London, and I, I saw that they offered a diploma course. And I went, a diploma course? Would it be great if this stuff was in there? But it talked about cosmogenesis, and it talked about anthropogenesis, the origin of the universe, the origin of man. I was like, that's well, close, and it sounds so close, but I, they're pointing towards this, so I'll take this course. So I took the course, and about two months into it, I realized, oh, my God. This is an introduction to those teachings. So I was voracious and I studied and I studied and I took the class and I could not believe that there were not thousands of students there. I was absolutely blown away. I said, you are sitting on a gold mine. Why aren't there hundreds of millions of people here? And they go, well, it's kind of a, a secret kind of a thing. It's kind of a quiet thing. And there were three people in the class locally. And then there was only me in the class. It was just me and the two teachers, but there were a few people studying online, but I expected it to be like Ikea. I literally did. That was my big thing. I, I, I was, and then I went up to go sign up for the, um, the course uh, when I was up there in London. Again, quiet, old school, like an old library. Um, and I was really sad that it wasn't heaving. I expected it to be just at, like Trafalgar Square. I, but it wasn't. And so I went into the library and these books, all of these brilliant books by Helena Petrovna Blavatsky, who wrote down the most important books of the last 2000 years. But she is not the originator of these teachings. She wrote them down. She is a scribe. So, um, yes. Yeah, so anyway, so I was super passionate about that. And I want went to study online and I, I wanted to try to find out who else is out there, who else knows about this. So I was around 2010, 2011. And ever since then, it has been a daily journey of absolute, complete and total purpose, um, passion. Um, and it isn't about anything else other than sharing these with other people because they have helped me so exponentially. My life has changed. You can actually see it happen online. Uh, you can see the transformation. There's a physical transformation that takes place as I apply these teachings with health um, and uh, just uh, just happiness. And um, it's amazing. They are they are the truth, and they belong to all. Uh, and they should never be charged for. There's no juicy gurus. This this takes place within you. Like in the intro, it is said, "You are the you are the temple inside you. You have 
this this is where the church well nature's the church the temple is you this is all about each one of us are on the path together that's beautiful um how would you say or why would you say that still like you said that when you went for the classes in london right there were little yeah. people not a lot of people as you would expect and i had that same feeling i was like people would be like falling over theosophy but it's yeah. not so why do you think this discrepancy is in your opinion? i i think that when um at the end of the 18 at the end of the 1800s 19th century when a big huge uh burst of these teachings came through which really uh, they called the new thought movement and then actually the new age movement is cherry picked from these teachings so that's what we saw the resurgence of in the 1970s so people were kind of eh, you know, the churches are kind of eh, people i think are questioning you know where is this and what were the pagans talking about and and i still go when i go to glastonbury i go to the theosophical book sections and they're always much smaller than i expect but i ask the question what what is everybody coming in to get i ask the person behind the desk and they look up at me frustrated and they say they're all coming in to get spells how to cast spells on other people and control other people and i go ah eh. that's a shame because this right here what you have here this is the textbook for the future it is the textbook of the past this is this is it so i always get really excited about that but i'm i'm sure that i think maybe after the the end of the when bovatsky passed away there was a lot of uh people coming in wanting to take this movement forward then we had the birth of krishnamurti who was being groomed to be the new christ with all of these teachings they found someone that could uh say these teachings and people would look for their savior in another human being and that's and then he said like i'm not going to do this not going to do this step down but the wisdom that came through him was from this teaching this is the same stuff but they thought that the world needed a savior but each one of us is that christ consciousness we are that each and every one of us so i think the world probably wasn't ready for it and in in the um not yet but i do think it is now i think for some reason there's something happening now that these these teachings like what you said with you and with me and with other folks it's just like whoa. and we we said before we went live we talked about um i feel like a bluetooth speaker yeah. that something's just attached I just it just comes out. I'm not the originator of these teachings by no means. I am a student of theosophy and a dedicated student because I believe that through the application that the world can evolve and overcome ourselves, our lower selves. Um which is really I kind of paraphrase and say the virtues and the vices. This is God, this is man, our earthly self. And so there's much to be done on each and every one of us in each and every one of us each and every day. everything has to do with theosophy i use it in every single part of my life and i would like to share this with others and so that's what i do and i have no idea what i'm doing <laughs> i just do it <laughs> that sharing i think is the biggest gift that you're giving to the world um, um, just, just show up show up suit up and show up <laughs> beautiful how in your experience do you think more and more people are coming closer to uh practicing this now in your experience since you started your channel and since you're running this uh do you do you see the the influx of audience more now given the situation we are in with this coronavirus a good question um I, well i will say that uh since i've been doing this i've started to upload when when the passion came with these books i go i have to do something i don't know what else to do so i started a channel and i read a chapter and then i started to voice these texts and get them out there uh and then i noticed the channel grew and you know what they come in for the psychic the psychic chapter a lot of people come into that and they stay for that which is interesting i go oh my god they're in there but you know if you use psychic I'll say just a side note as I digress if you use any of the psychic abilities that we all do have for any selfish purposes you will heap coals upon your head you will you will absolutely suffer a backlash of magnificent proportions you are capable of so much more than you know but it must be used to help the whole it must be used to help all of humanity um so your question was do, what do i see as far as now with the covid-19 um we have um I'm sorry my picture disappeared. I hope that that's okay. I don't I can't see you anymore. But that's right. Okay. Um okay, with um now I'm noticing that I have seen that the theosophists of the new age kind of go and take this their groups out online. And I do see that they are able to connect more with each other. Um I don't get 
as much grief from the religious folks, I'm getting more curiosity. As a matter of fact, on Easter, when I started doing the live shows with other theosophical uh, and like-minded folks, I honestly expected a humongous backslash, a back, yeah, backflash, what do you call it? Well, anyway, backlash. <laughs> I expected a backflash, backslash. Anyway, I expected grief from the uh, the Christian uh, and the organized religions, but I did not get that. I got more people saying, tell me more. I got more people coming. And this is only very recently. I used to get attacked all the time because at the end of the 19th century, they had a magazine called Lucifer, mm-hmm. and which I think is extremely brave, especially then. And even now, the grief that I get for that magazine, and I'm not even a part of it, but what is Lucifer. Lucifer is light, the bringer of light. And wouldn't the church be upset to have the light shown into the corners of what is truly going on there, which is control, ignorance, superstition, and greed. And so um, I'm, I don't think that that's, if that's going to offend anybody, I'm terribly sorry, the time has come. So I have seen, uh, even over the last, what is it, 2020 now, the last nine years that I've been doing this, I have seen um, less antagonism and more reception, especially over the last few weeks when we're in this time of self-reflection, where people are um, stuck to do this. They're like, well, I've never had a chance to flick through this. I might as well look at that. And they are open. And I did not on Easter Sunday, when we did a a show about the true meaning of the term Christ on Easter Sunday, I was prepared my armor on. I'm all ready. Go ahead. And no one came. Everybody was like, great. Tell me more. Even my most diehard. And I shared it in places. I'm like, click. Um, And it went out there and there was no, there was absolutely no backlash. None. And I am blown away by that because people just wanted to know more. People that are um, that have been very, very, very set in their ways probably might be looking within during this downtime, looking within at what we're doing to our planet. Maybe there is something to it. They might be thinking of what is this planet that we live on. And through this medium, we are able to be connected all over the world. So the world gets to be, I see it as bringing the world together. A lot of people say, well, it divides us because we're all on our phones. I'm like, no, we're talking to the entire world. It isn't a them and us anymore. It's an us. So I think the the digital age, the internet is probably one of the best things that's ever happened to theosophy. And the brave theosophical souls like you, Taps, that are taking to the, uh, the internet, even though you're out of your comfort zone, but you know that it needs to be shared. Um, I, I see other people doing that, like Luke Ironside, Pablo Sender, um, Petra Meyer out of the Blavatsky Lodge of London. Oh my gosh, just, just, they're really just like, never done this before, let's do it. And they're going for it. And I'm like, you know, we would have been burnt at the stake within minutes if we would have said this. Just, uh, I mean, even just a few minutes ago, it seems. But humanity seems to be taking a step forward into looking into who they are, why they are, where they are, and uh, when. And if you, you can understand this um, Google Earth existence, Theosophy explains it all. It explains the universe, the cosmos. It explains, like I talked about, the astral plane, the physical, uh, the elementals, the plants. Um, it talks about the minerals. It talks all these things. You go crystals. They're intelligent too. Matter is alive, and it talks about time and space. Everything, everything you'd ever want to know is explained in these teachings. And even death. When we talk about death now, when a death happens, like when my father passed away in 2019. Um, I wrote, um, I wrote a little thing about death that I understand it so differently. It is simply a, like a graduation. Mm-hmm. And I was like, you did it, Dad. You made it. And everybody else is like, what? And I'm like, and my husband said, you might want to calm down a little bit because not everybody <laughs> looks at it like you do. And when my mother passed in 2003, I didn't see this that, at that time. I have a completely different understanding of life and death. And I have to say that I'm a happier, healthier person. Um, and I'm so grateful. And I see the gift of life. And in the intro, you talked about addiction um, in what is today. In about a week or so, I'll have 18 years sober um, because this empathy that I came in with led to codependence and self-destruction. But now I understand why this empathy is here. Uh, it, it's a colossal, crushing feeling of compassion for all beings. And the purpose of theosophy is to help ease the unnecessary suffering of all beings on our planet. And I understand it now. It makes sense. So empaths, if you're watching, this is for you. This is what you've been looking for. If you want to know what to do with that, instead of saying, oh, I'm so woke and let's save the world, save yourself, then you save the world. 
switching it today. That's brilliant. That's like first you have to like you know you have to work on yourself and you know and then you got to uh, expand ahead you know outside of you. Uh, one question that I have is in your experience, what would you say? Where is it that religion falls short of answers where theosophy takes over? God, that's a good question. Let me think about that. What? Well, religion seems to. If we look back at it. I can clearly see, and this is my observation, it's not, I'm not the only one that feels this way. It has been rewritten to control the masses. Very easy. I mean, without mass communication and people didn't read, you got a whole bunch of people you want to keep under control and you want to take their cash and you want to have control. You're going to motivate them by fear, uh, fire and brimstone. And then what's really great, uh, milk and honey and gold. There you go. We're going to go ahead and tell you that's what's going to happen if you don't give us cash and let us go ahead and, and uh, control. And they... It was just massive amounts of control. We still are under that. So what they have found, I believe these, these sages and avatars came through and they spoke of love and they spoke of compassion. They spoke of, there is, Jesus doesn't go off about homosexuality in the, in the New Testament ever. This is man. We have, we have made, I think it was, who was it? Voltaire. Is it Voltaire that said, I think, he said that we have made, this is so paraphrased, I didn't look up this quote, uh, that uh, we have created our God in the image of ourselves, mm -hmm. which is uh, we are ignorant and stupid and, and uh, fearful and jealous. And, and we give all these human attributes to our gods. Um, and, and then we all say, and there's 10,000 different religions. No, there's 10,000 branches of Christianity and 4,000 different religions on our planet. And one of them is Christianity with 10,000 different branches. Each one saying, theirs is the only one. That something's wrong. I think people are finally, because we have access to the text, because we have access to, um, we're talking to each other now. When we weren't, when we were all reading the same newspaper, all watching the same television show, all listening to the same radio station, we were kind of kept away from finding out the truth for ourselves. Now, if we really want to, we can go to anywhere, any library, any museum. We can talk to people that we've never been able to talk to before. And we're kind of going, hmm, something's wrong in Denmark. I don't think that that makes much sense. And what do gold ceilings have anything to do with, um, you know, cre they're creating heaven on earth through the physical self. And if you look at the Catholic church, which is where I went to, uh, I grew up in, and I know that my family would be horrified by this, but I have to say, I must say this. Um, they are a controlling, like a, a kingdom, a mafia. They are, and their recruitment is essential to them to continue to do what they've done. But now we're figuring it out for ourselves. And it isn't just the Catholic Church. To be fair, it is all organized religions. And HPB explains that theosophy is like the white ray that comes through, it's the pure light that comes through. And the religions are the colors that come from that light. But without the pure white light of, of theosophy, these ancient knowledge, these religions would never have been born. And I think now that I see them kind of working together, I think when I first came to the United Kingdom, my husband took me to a, um, it was an Exeter and the bells, the church bells played out John Lennon's Imagine. And there were priests and there were, um, there were folks from the, there were, every religion was represented. Everybody stood there together um, and different vicars and, and they were all together and rabbis and they all and I watched the bells play John Lennon's Imagine. I'm getting goosebumps listening. I remember that. I go, that's, that's it. This is what we need to do. I really do have goosebumps. It was so beautiful. And I saw them all standing together and they're all looking at each other with love. That's what the avatars taught. And the avatars are not your solution. There is no spiritual superhero that's going to be coming from the clouds. There isn't. It's you. It's you. You have access to this right now. And it is inside each and every one of us. And theosophy explains that. So I think people are probably just able to find out more information for themselves. And there's a lot of uh, information. It might not be, um, you know, it might not be light on the path. This is a great one to start with. It's tiny. Um, but a voice of the silence. Oh, my God. Oh, my God. This is such a beautiful, sacred text. And every time I read it, every time I read it, um, those were both, one was written down by, um, uh, uh, Mabel Collins, and the other one was written down by Helena Petrovna Blavatsky. Uh, so these guys, they were just scribes. They wrote down this teaching. A lot of people want to worship Blavatsky. I'm not one of them. I think that um, she was human, just like we are, and she did her best. You and she was... about it as well. <laughs> What's I, that? 
I think she wouldn't allow it herself. No, I don't think she would have either. And so people say, well, she said this and she said that. I'm like, well, because she's human. So get over that. You need to pay attention to what's coming through and then use your discernment for yourself to see what's truth to you when you put it into application. Now, you can memorize all, all this stuff. You want to memorize it, pontificate it, have people show up at your talks and worship you, great, good for you. The most important thing is, and that's sarcastic when I said that, <laughs> the most important thing is you apply it, you become it. And in everyday life, in your finances, in your relationships, in your with the relationship with your neighbors, with your children, with your family, with your brothers and sisters, that's where you put it into action. In your neighborhood, in you, every day, at night and in the daytime, always. Um, that goes to something that I want to ask. When you talk about, um, you know, you said that there are all these different gurus that are there. And in, intrinsically, people sort of want to follow people. You know, they like following people and stuff. So how would you think or have you had experience where you ended up following somebody who was not um, right or in any which way you had an experience that you would like to share? Well... Yes, I have some, but I never have followed anyone, but I have been absolutely gutted by what I have experienced because I thought that once people get to these teachings, then surely they are, are the teachings, are they not? Yeah. And um, yeah, I have seen, I have seen these, I've seen new age teachings or even cherry pick pieces from even these books. People, humanity People want to be important. They want to have purpose. And they, it feels good to have recognition. And I think that in the, in the human world, when we are, um, you know, the human ego is a very big thing. And so when, you know, the hierarchical structure and being able, like the priests, the priests, we couldn't have that. You couldn't reach the, the spiritual solution without the priests giving it to you. I think that's ingrained deep inside of us. We also have been taught about Buddha and Christ and Krishna and Lao Tzu and all these guys coming through, they must be so much holier than us. The Dalai Lama always so much holier than us. No, he's not. He's not. So you have, you are just as holy as the Dalai Lama. You are. It's true. But a lot of people want to go, oh, I just touched his garment. Stop it. Stop it right now. Stop. Because you are the garment. You are wearing the garment. The garment that you wear today is just as holy. But we're programmed to look for that inside someone else. And I think what I've seen on YouTube, especially around 2012, um, I did see a lot of people rise up, say this information. People are scared. We've heard the world is going to end in 2012. People give out information. I'm an alien. I'm coming with this, this information for you. Um, and it's paraphrased stuff from these teachings. And people, they come in and it's automatically. There's cults. There's um, gurus there's people that take advantage of the vulnerable people who are hurting people who are suicidal people who um are just longing for anything to feel good they're dying to feel bliss or to feel better and so when the, the when the people come to these people who are sharing these teachings it's quite common unfortunately for humanity to give into human beingness and they want to be important and they're like, well, okay. Like whenever you have two more, two or more people in a room, you have, there's an ego battle. And it is in overcoming your ego. That is the most work. That'll keep you busy for many lifetimes. Your own ego, many lifetimes. You got to overcome this voice that's inside you that wants to say that you're better than everybody else, but you're so horrible and everybody hates you. That, that is inside of all of us. So that voice tends to take over and they become like min little mini religions. Yeah. And you'll find that the ones that rise up to the top cannot help but bask in their own glory. And I have been absolutely devastated, especially one that I admired quite a bit. And I thought, this guy, this person, I should say, has his, sorry, has their finger on the pulse. And I was absolutely shattered when I found out that it was more of a, I told, I am giving these to you. And I was like, no, you're not. They are ancient. They belong to everyone. And I've watched, you know, several of these online cults. It's interesting, like the Scientologists or anybody else. You see these people coming in and all this cash and all this power. It's, it's humanity's lower self. It's really just the, it's the greed, ignorance, superstition, and fear that is basically in all of the big religions and in the small. So yes, I have seen that. I have not followed anybody, but I have been watching some. And I'm like, please, 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 for real. And very, very few of them have have shown that they uh, are selfless. If they are selfless, 
Um, I, I mean, I have met like Petra. I love Petra. I, I do see selflessness in Petra uh, Meyer of the Blavatsky Lodge um, and willingness to serve without, without anything for self, but for the betterment of all beings on this planet. Are you willing to show up and suit up and never see any benefits, knowing that there will be less suffering for those that are to come? That's what I look for. And that's what I hope for. And everybody tells me I'm crazy. <laughs> in, my, in my circle, my husband goes, people aren't like that. I, I see it like if we're on a road and we're driving down the road, we're all friends. We're all going down this road together. They're my friends. And I say, I love you to everyone because I genuinely feel that way. And people are usually like, thanks. Or you don't know me. You don't love me. I do. I genuinely feel love. And I, I look for other people that are like that. And um, I believe that there's lots of them out there. I have hope for humanity, much hope for humanity. That's beautiful. It's like you're speaking, you know, to the church, like it's preaching to the choir. Like most people. Oh, no church. <laughs> no church here. I am a member. I'm only a pew. I'm just a pew. It is not about me. It never, it never, it can't be about me. That's one of the reasons why I went to do Living Theosophy is because I thought that teaming up with other theosophists in 2015, 2016 would be a great idea, but I found guruship there. And, I was, and also, oh, in one of the objects of theosophy, it says to form a nucleus of the universal brotherhood without distinction of race, creed, sex, caste, or color. And I have found, unfortunately, that some of the theosophy uh, groups and theosophists find that pontificating with other theosophists about how much they know is that brotherhood to them. And I'm like, no, it's not. It isn't. I, I look how important you are in your little room. No, it's about service to humanity. Now, that's my own opinion. But I did find that there was infighting of, no, she said that. And she said that. And Blavatsky was talking to so-and-so. And so, no, they didn't. I'm like, I can't. can't deal with this. can't. So um, anyway, I forgot what I was saying because I got lost in the pontification. <laughs> um, but yeah, I found that, oh, you're living theosophy. Yeah. So I realized that I needed to just keep it simple, take my name completely out of it always. Um, and uh, this theosophy is the star on, on my channel. So the books that I voiced, the theosophical shorts that I share, um, I am simply a student of theosophy. It is not about me in any way, shape or form. If it is only me, then if there's any corruption, then I corrupt myself. If there's any growth, then I get a chance to grow. Great. If other people come across it and they're curious about theosophy and they find the texts and go forward, great. Uh, if they don't, then, then that's fine. Yeah. Brilliant. So out of your, you know, all these years that you have dedicated to theosophy, could you share one of your most happy experiences uh, of study? I mean, you, you probably have a lot, but just, you know, just out of curiosity, one of the happy experiences that you would like to share? There is so, that is such a great question, I have to say. There's so many things that have come along the way. I'd have to say, it. I don't know if it's happy, but it's kind of a, um, because there's been times that I've been in tears at the table talking to my husband going, I have no idea what is happening. I don't understand. This is weird. It's like I have a job, but there's no one there and there's no money and I don't know, but it keeps me busy. And I know I have to do this, but I don't understand why and how and what. But finally, uh, it was last year um, when the Theosophical Society out of England reached out and said, would you like to, you know, uh, collaborate a little bit? And I was like, I am, if I see any, unethical stuff or any weird guru stuff i'm out i will i can't do that i'm not there to worship blavatsky or anyone else but i am here to serve theosophy that was really wonderful to actually have like co-workers and friends um and fellow theosophical uh, folks and i have met some very very ethical and amazing people but i also have met some theosophists that like to think theosophy is their thing and they will be the ones to dole it out this human it's human behavior that's that's like the Masons, you know, it's just ingrained in our, our psyche. So um, I would have to say during that crucial time of great psychological pain, it was, it was absolutely, it was like, I, I call it going through a meat grinder, then going back to the meat grinder and then being thrown on the fire. That's what it felt like. And I would have rather done that than had to go through living without my son. That is, that was a huge thing. We have a fantastic relationship and thank God for the internet. He is a beautiful, compassionate soul. And it was exactly what needed to take place. And theosophy helps me understand that there's far more to our story than just this. I can now see it from, this is a, obviously this is a karmic, it's so big. It is a karmic, um, I don't want to say not, but it's certainly unfinished business. And I can recognize my part, his father's part, his part, all of us. And I could see it with a much bigger 
oh, okay, that's good. Um, I can also, um, anyway, I, I have to say that the application of those teachings, uh, these ancient wisdoms, helped me through that time where I was not able to even breathe. I couldn't breathe. I couldn't. I, I went into like a shock for almost 10 years. Uh, and you can see it take place on my channel as well. I, I went into like a, a grief chrysalis. I wore long black clothing and I wore scarves no matter what the temperature was. I put on a lot of weight. I just really was, I was just inside. I was very, very, very sad. But then it gave me back my life. It taught me about compassion. We became vegan uh, for compassion only. And my health completely changed. I never knew that um, not building my body on suffering, which was the only goal, was to not cause any suffering, would restore my health so exponentially. It's amazing. I have all kinds of energy. There's so much to be grateful for. And there's something else I was going to say, and I forgot what it was. I want to ask you about this video of yours where it's like you gave free hugs. So where was it? Oh, you saw that. Oh, I missed that. I missed that so much. That's the thing I miss the most about this. This whole coronavirus is not touching people. I swear. That was so big. Okay, I went to Plymouth. My husband works at the university. And I thought this is either going to go really well or absolutely horrible. And I I went live and I just set the camera up. I had a little tripod and on the tripod, I had a little thing to free hugs. And I put a little free hugs thing on my on my shirt. And I had a little Christmas hat on that I turned around and everybody's shopping. And I just turned around. I was just going to see because um, I just love people. I love people. And I know that I would, I just wanted to try this. Um, and see what would happen. And there was a, I edited it out down. There was a few people, most people just went, you know, whatever. Some people were like, oh my God, that's so great. But before I even finished setting up the, the tripod, somebody was like, I want to be your first one. And the experiment was these, then by the end, there were people running over to hug. Um, and it was just so beautiful. And there was one young man, one young man who said, I am going through so much right now. You don't have any idea what this means to me. And he's the one that I give the second hug to. And I put my hand on his heart. I it's going to be okay. I had no idea what was coming, obviously, um, but it is going to be okay. No matter what it is, it's going to be okay. And um, this will be okay too. It's going to be okay. And in the near-death experiences, I was just going to say, if anybody studies the near-death experience, all of this wisdom that they come back with, like Anita Morjani or Eben Alexander, any of these people who have crossed over and come back with modern technology, we're able to bring people back. They all paraphrase this. They tell you exactly what is in these teachings. They say, oh my God, I'm not afraid of death anymore. I, want, I understand where the true home is. Where we are at here on planet Earth is, it is a place of great suffering, but it is also the only place that we can learn and we have to do it ourselves and we must overcome ourselves. So uh, that was the thing that I'd forgotten to say is the joyfulness of, of, of recognizing uh, the teachings where I see them and the purpose of compassion for all beings on this planet. So that hug video, oh, I miss hugging people. I, and now I just see people, I go, I'm hugging you with my eyes. I love you. <laughs> and uh, they're like, whatever, creepy lady, but I don't care. Because I really do. I do feel love for all beings. I do. And I don't feel hate in my heart. I don't have complaint. Um, there are still difficult days, though, and theosophy helps me deal with that. The application of these teachings, sometimes it's difficult. Sometimes it's difficult to overcome. You know, you can be happy with a broken heart. Sometimes money is still scary, but it's all going to be okay. There's a bigger picture at hand. You're learning. When things are difficult, you're learning. When things are good, you get to rest. The cycle never stops. Theosophy taught me that. Do you so, see a change in, in the level of consciousness now? I think, um, I think so. Yeah, I do think this 2020, this might be a little shake of a wake up. I think that we're going to want to go back to our old ways. And I think that we might have to have another one. Uh, but I do believe that the internet, the introduction of the internet and using it properly, because it can be used for nefarious reasons as well as the dark web is, you know, there's all kinds of stuff that can go on. But if this is used for um, the purpose that I believe it's, it's almost getting us ready for telepathic communication, we are, we're evolving. Um, yeah, I think I do. I do see us being able to come through. There, there was a, you know, the 2012 Christ is going to come back. I think that the Christos, the Christos, I don't know how to say it, Christ consciousness yeah. is definitely coming back. And it isn't in a human form. There isn't going to be, oh, there's my spiritual salvation over there in that person. Because when they say that the kingdom of heaven is in your midst, 
Mm -hmm. uh, all of them have said, it is within you. What you seek is within you. And we used to go, within us, where is it? It must be running. Where are you? It's in here. It's inside you. And um, that was said by many, many of them. It is inside of you. We must listen to that. I think more people are starting to understand there might be some truth there. And I'm telling you through the practical application and not only the study, and I do study and I apply um, and I try to practice it and I'm not perfect, but I have, I can say my life has gotten, I want to say exponentially better again, because it can even be seen on the channel. You can see that the, you can see it happen. And also in my life. Um, life still presents challenges, big ones, huge ones, uh, death, loss, suffering. But we are in a place, what is called in theosophy, um, in the voice of the silence, she talks about it. We're in a place called Mialba, which is hell. Any man inhabited planet is far greater than any hell that can be created by man or Dante's Inferno is nothing compared to what we do to each other and other beings on this planet. But it is also the place where matter is the highest and where we're the highest level of matter and we are the lowest level of spirit. This here is where we learn. We are here to learn. And that's why in the near-death experiences, they're like, no, I don't want to go back. I don't care. <laughs> but um, you have to do it here. Sorry. And you can't leave early either. And explains about that. William Q. Judge wrote a brilliant um, thing on suicide, talking about you can end the physical life, but your life here will have to, you, you exist. Your spirit must stay here until it is time for you to go. Uh, it explains things. They used, people used to Pashan God, this is so stupid. It's not stupid. It's the truth. And you'll find it if you're looking at the teachings of theosophy. Brilliant. Who's your, who's your favorite theosophist? Do you have one? Well, you mean alive or dead? Any. Any of them? I love them all. I love all of them. Even the ones that I said were funky gurus. I love them too because they're reaching out to people as well. And, and there's something for everybody. Like on the smorgasbord, um, not everybody's going to go right for the, you know, vegan meat. They're going to go maybe for the vegan cheese and they might go for meat or they might go for milk. They're all going to go for something. But as long as they're all suiting up and carrying it forward, anybody who is, is full of compassion is, um, is absolutely my, I'd have to say is close to my heart. If they carry this out and are, are worker bees, we're cross-pollinating is what we're doing. And there are worker bees that suit up and show up without the ego. Those are my favorites. If I see them not talking about, well, I've done this, I've done that. I'm like, great, that's whatever. <laughs> okay, let's get to what we're talking about. Theosophy should always be, oh, this is what was said, is that the platforms are meant for the teachings, not the teacher. Never has it been for the teacher. The masters will say that. The uh, uh, sages and avatars, all of them who have come, will always say that the platform is not about me. It is about what is I'm saying so you can benefit from it. So make the platforms about the teachings. So the spotlight is always on theosophy. So do I have a favorite theosophist? I really admire the work done by the young Luke Ironside. Hmm. I really do. He is blazing some trails for a new generation. Um, and I have to say, I admire his work, Pablo Sender. I love him. I want to say Sender. I think that's the, way, the proper way to say that. Uh, Petra Meyer. Oh, my God. Out of the Blavatsky Lodge. Just adore her. Absolutely love her. Um, there are so many of them. Um, and um, now that are out there, there's some that I haven't met yet, some that I've just studied with. Uh, Robert Kiddo was one of my teachers in the, the Theosophical course. Um, let's see. We have... Um, uh, trying to think of the ones that are my teachers up there. Damon Scothern is the general manager of the lodge. Uh, I absolutely adore him. I love his passion. Um, there's so many, there's a lot of folks. Um, but I'd have to say again, the writings of Blavatsky, what she wrote down are the most important texts of the last 2000 years for humanity. This is humanity's textbook. It's true. And you want to get the original edition. You want to get the verbatim edition. And because a lot of people have come in and added a third edition and they've gone in and edited it like humans do, like with the Bible, with the, any of the, any of the sacred texts, humans will go, well, what's in it for me? So I'm going to go ahead and change that a little bit. So it makes this particular incarnation a lot more comfortable for me. And that will, nothing goes unbalanced. Nothing. No, no thought. No action goes unbalanced. What you cause another human being to experience, what you cause another human being to, whether it be bad or good, whatever you do, that's what they've said. Do unto others as you'd have done unto you. It's not just advice. 
It is an actual fact. <laughs> and you will receive it. You will be on the receiving end and know exactly how it feels, which is the ultimate method of behaving. And I think that if we can learn that rather than streets of gold with gold milk and honey and fire and brimstone, no, it's actually much worse than that. Your own tortures, you are the one. The way that you act in this lifetime or any other lifetime, you're you're here to balance that. Everything goes balanced. It's it's not punishment, it's balance. If you do it, touch the stove, you burn. It's balance, balance, balance. So yeah, I think that we learn from that. And what about veganism? So would you it's changed your life, clearly. I can see that from the videos. Oh my God. Oh my God. <laughs> so would you say that that's the one of the most biggest changes that you've made apart from finding theosophy? Like was, was that a nice shift? Well, people ask, they go, Oh my God, what happened? And I go, it's compassion, love and veganism. So um, I would have to say the reason we went vegan is uh, because again, we, my husband was vegetarian when we married in 2008 and I just ate chicken and fish and I was in California. I had no idea, you know, veganism was way, I was like, yeah, I've heard about that like in the seventies or something, whatever. And, um, I also knew that they couldn't shut up and now I understand why. Um, but, um, every meal began with like fried onions. And so I put on an ex a huge amount of weight because it was cheese and fried onions and bread because we weren't eating meat. Um, but that wasn't the that wasn't the reason we went vegan. What we were thinking is that if we could just get the cheese and any of the dairy products out, because we'd had the soy milk or or even oat milk, but it was cheese was the big thing. And we thought if we could do that, then there's no suffering in our diet. That would be wonderful because what you are, this biological suit that you wear, is made up of something. You have to build this. Your body is made of what you eat. I used to hear that all the time, and I thought, what does that mean? You are what you eat. Whatever. Ah, now you're just your body, and we're all separate. Blah, blah. And I didn't understand, but now I understand that psychological suffering, the torment that takes place for these beautiful, sentient beings that we share our planet with. I was building my body on. That's what my cells are made out of. And I was horrified. I finally understood. And so we made the the transition. We found BioLife. Giving them a shout out on here. That BioLife is fantastic vegan cheese. Um, and anyway, we made the shift, not expecting anything, absolutely nothing back. We just did it for compassion and all being in media and radio in California. It's all about what you look like. It's all about uh, plastic surgery and fake everything. And you had to be super skinny and work out all this BS. So um, and I would do that for a while, but you know, my body would balance because my, my body was reacting on what my real diet was. It wasn't very healthy. It was starving all the time. Anyway. So uh, we went vegan and everything, it like, bam, all of my, um, my blood pressure went all the way down. I lost, took off like almost six stone. It was a lot. Um, but my hair, my skin, um, it's, uh, it's just felt so good. It feels so good. So when they say what happened and tell me what you're doing, compassion. It is compassion. And that means that's the theosophical teaching. Some people will ask about it. A lot of people are like, well, I want it. I want what you've got. I go, well, if you put these <laughs> into practice and, and this is where I, you learn the compassion, you learn and you understand that it is not okay for us. It is not okay for us to do what we've been doing. And if you look and listen to the teachers throughout the ages, they talk about vegetarianism. We're not when the, the blood that we are shedding based on simply our taste buds, not okay. That is not okay. It is not okay in any way. We do not have to have meat to survive. I went to the doctor last and he goes, healthier than you have ever been, did the full MOT. And um, I'm just really amazed that I, I, I do look like a completely different person, but I also feel like a completely different person as well. And it isn't about the aesthetics, which is interesting because back in California, this would be like the ultimate thing. Oh, how'd you get there? It's not a diet. It's a way of life. It was a way of not building my body from the suffering of anything. And since May of 2018, there has been no suffering that has gone into this body. And it has made it like glows. It's There's a glowing um, change. And I highly recommend it. I highly recommend it, especially if you want to elevate. So I'm sober, uh, vegan, and um, it's just a, it's a wonderful way to live. Plus, when you do that, you're able to understand the teachings a little bit better because you're fine tuning your Bluetooth speaker is a little bit better in tune. So if you fine tune yourself, I didn't know that. I thought that, you know, you could be doing anything and you could still 
go. And every time I revisit the text, something new comes out every single time, even on light of the path, as skinny as it is every time it's weird. Every time I read, I'm like, I had no idea. I've read this book a million times. I did not know that it's, they're like magical little gifts that the more that you apply and are, um, just become them, the more you become them, the more you you're able to understand levels upon levels upon levels upon levels. Beautiful. Read the texts, apply, and listen, because they call it the voice of the silence. I just dropped it. Um, the voice of the silence. This is the voice behind the voice. So it is. this is inside of you right now. When you are in meditation or when you're getting ready to go to sleep, you're in that quiet space. Listen for this voice. That's why it's called the voice of the silence. It's inside you. Now, there's, there's another voice inside you that is the voice of the lower self that is greedy, selfish, conceited, and judgmental. You can recognize the difference between the two. There's a voice behind that voice. That is the voice you want to listen for. And it is inside you. And if you ask to have access by reading these texts, putting them into application, you will be able to hear that voice. And it talks about that in the voice of the silence. And if uh, I've even voiced it, I voiced the voice of the silence, which is extremely cheeky. It's so cheeky because I, I thought that it would be easy. It took me nine months to voice this text because there's, this is such a sacred book. And I thought naively that I could be of help and, and service, but it was, I don't even think I gave it the gravitas or the respect that it needed. I studied those Sanskrit words and did the very best I could to voice it and put it up online so you could listen to it. Um, but um, yeah, it's on the, it's on the, the channel for free. And so, yeah, you can listen to it. And then the glossaries are in there that describe the words. But if you listen to what is being said in there, they talk about this is inside you. Do not look to a guru. You are your own guru. You've heard the gurus say that. <laughs> They've taken that too. It is you that you're looking for. The only person that can save and initiate you is you. And you'll understand as you get deeper into the teachings. And it's not an intellectual journey. It is not. Yeah. It is, it is not a, uh, it, it doesn't matter how academic you are. Yay. Great for you. This is not about that. This is a completely different journey and it takes place in here. Beautiful. Here, it is such a pleasure taps all of you. Thank you for your hour today on this beautiful Saturday. I'm just so grateful to be able to be here. And remember, I'm simply a student of theosophy. I am a human being. I'm <laughs> only wishing to be of service. And uh, just remember that you are, you are the temple. Nature is church. There is more to learn here. And this can be a very beautiful place. There's a lot of darkness, but because of you, you are the lights that are coming on and that darkness can be illuminated. Thank you. Thank you for being here. Thank you for everything. I love you. Thank you. And we love you too. I mean, I, I'm, I'm extremely grateful that you agreed. And, you know, people, you know, if you're on this call, you should follow this uh, page, Living Theosophy. It's on Facebook. It's also the YouTube channel. And you can get all these videos um, that you do. And you go live every Sunday. And I go live on Sunday. I've got uh, a guy named, you're going to be on next Sunday. I guess next Sunday. <laughs> Um, I've got uh, Gary Kidgel, who's an esoteric astrologer out of Scotland, is going to be on tomorrow night. Really looking forward to that. I've got Pablo Sender said, yes, he'll be on in June. Petra will be, excuse me, Petra will be back and she'll do a whole episode on veganism and vegetarianism and theosophy, which right. I'm really looking forward to in the ancient teachings, talking about how this has come through because we've had requests of people wanting different subjects and um, she's willing to be of service. And she's like, never been on camera before, but let's go do it so she's into it and uh, we're really excited about that and again i want to reiterate the platform from which the teachings are to be taught from are meant for the teachings never the teacher ever 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 and the spotlight on living theosophy is uh on theosophy and the reason i chose the name living theosophy and i know we're at our end here i see the time uh, is because if i was to say nothing other than telling my son and my husband that i love them and and i would say become live theosophy live theosophy but i almost chose that name but it was it looked like live theosophy and i thought no it needed to be living theosophy because that's what we're all doing we're all living theosophists so it is a pleasure to be here